Hey folks, welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grow Farm. We are thrilled to have you joining us as we embark on a journey following the life of Christ this year. You can follow along with us in person or online during our Sunday services at 9 and 11, 15 a.m., or you can catch up or revisit our messages right here through our Sermons Podcast and also on YouTube. If you are looking for more information about Christchurch or you would like to connect with one of our pastors or ministry leaders, you can reach us on our website, ccgf.org. You can also join us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Here is this week's message. Grace and peace to you. So I just got to say, um, I really love Christchurch. I love this. I love being a part of this congregation. This is the kind of people where we, in the middle of a song, say, we totally screwed up, and you clap and cheer. I mean, it's great. I love this. I'm going to try that in the sermon at some point. I'm like, guys, I've totally wrecked this. Can I start over again? And I expect you to cheer for me. But I do, I do, this says something about us, right? We're not here for a show. We're, we're not here for some production. We're here to worship God. And so and we're also acknowledging that we're imperfect, right? And we're forgiving, and that, I, I love that about this church. It's awesome. So we're continuing in our series, Life of Christ. And um, Pastor Mike did a great job last week taking us through another segment of the early ministry of Jesus in Capernaum and Galilee, and we're going to continue on that journey here today. Mike has already read the passage for us. Thank you for that, Pastor Mike. Appreciate your leadership up here. And now we're going to go back. We're kind of drill down on this verse by verse. Excited to see what God might say to you and, and to all of us today through this. So let's go to it, okay? Picking up in the Gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. If you've got your Bible in front of you, that's great. Or, or an electronic Bible, you know, through your phone or iPad. Or, or just follow on screens, take some notes, jot down some thoughts. We encourage you to be students of God's Word. Verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. Okay, I just want to point something out there. You know, we've been talking about a, a, a little phrase that we see crop up time and time again. And that phrase is, follow me. Jesus says, follow me to Peter and to James and John, right? And Andrew, and they follow him. We see Jesus do this over and over again. We've been wrestling what it means to follow Jesus. What it means when he says, follow me. Well, now we see that there are large crowds, large crowds following Jesus. In fact, that, that large crowds that's translated there in the original Greek is a word that is is multitudes. There were multitudes that were following Jesus. Multitudes meaning huge numbers of people into the thousands. I mean, this is a big deal. This wasn't some little ho-hum, little, little you know, small town prophet. No, Jesus was drawing huge crowds, people coming to him from the north, from the south, really, from the east and the west, all those places, a, a square mile radius of about 12,000 miles. 12,000 square miles coming to him to hear him teach. And they weren't coming in cars or buses, as you know. They were coming on donkey or on camel or, or on foot because they had to hear this Jesus. They had to hear from him. So multitudes were coming. And you can imagine that the makeup of the crowd, the makeup of the multitude, the demographics had to be really, really interesting, right? people coming from, from all over the region to hear him. And as I think about the, the makeup of that multitude, I mean, surely there was a core group. 
Surely, as we know from scriptures, there was at least 12 at some point who were following Jesus around. My guess is that core group was bigger than that. We know that from what we read in the scriptures. We can guess that. Was it 10% of the multitude? Was it, was it 15? Was it 25% of the multitude? We don't know, but there was a core group for sure. But then surely also, along with the core group, there were a bunch of people who were just kind of there. They were kind of tagging along with Jesus. Perhaps they were seeking some kind of comfort. You know, they were looking for a miracle of some sort. Perhaps they were seeking some sort of personal happiness. They heard about the powerful teachings. Maybe some of them didn't even know why they were following Jesus around. Has it ever happened to you? It's happened to me. You know, a few years back, my wife and I took our kids. This is when the girls were little. And we took them to Nashville. And um, we happened to go to a, we had to stop at a shopping mall there. And we stopped at the shopping mall. And there was this huge line of people that was like serpentining all around the mall. And we're like, what's going on? We just jumped in line. We're like, we don't, we don't know why we're jumping in line, but we're going to jump in line. Well, guess what? It ended up that it was the grand opening of an American Girl doll store. And I'm thinking to myself, why am I here, right? What am I doing? I'm going to like waste my money on this stuff. But we did it. We waited in line and we got in there. The girls loved it. It was a great memory. I think there were some people surely in the crowd who were just tagging along, just standing in line, not, not sure what was going on, but they knew there was a crowd. They knew there was something happening. They wanted to be a part of it. I think that the same kind of thing happens today. It's no different today. And I would ask you to consider this question. You know, when you think about the large crowd following Jesus around, we see that today. There are large crowds. There's a, there's a large-ish crowd here, and there's, there's other congregations where there's large crowds of people. I wonder this. Why are you here? Why are you here, and where do you fall within the large crowd? Where do you fall? You part of that core group? And many of you are. If you're not, you, you can be a part of that core group. You part of that core group? Or, or... Are you just kind of here? Are you just kind of tagging along on this journey? You know, consider that. And, and let me say this to you too. If you are tagging along, if you're like, yeah, I'm tagging along. In fact, I literally did not want to come today, but someone made me. My parents made me. My spouse made me. If that's you, I want to tell you, we're so glad you're here. Really, I'm really glad you're here. I'm ecstatic you're here. And here's the thing I would invite you into. There's more. If you're just tagging along, hear me say this. There is more life. There is more joy. There is more purpose. There is more community for you if you will take a step beyond just tagging along. We'll look at that. I wonder, right? Big crowds following Jesus. Had to be a whole bunch of different kind of people. We're going to learn about one of the people in that crowd that day a really unique person, and I think some powerful things for us to consider. So let's go back to the text. So Jesus has come down from the mountainside in Galilee, large crowds following him around. It says this, a man with leprosy. A man with leprosy. I'm going to stop there, okay? We got we to gotta spend some time on this dude with leprosy, the man with leprosy, because there's a lot there for us, okay? We're actually going to look today simultaneously at three texts. We're going we're gonna to try to make sense of this and weave these together. We're going to go to the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament. We're going to go to the epistle, the letter of Paul, 
in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and then, of course, we're in the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to try to weave these together. I think there's a lesson for us. This man with leprosy, okay? So lepers, maybe you've heard about this. It's still something that takes place in other parts of the world today. We don't see it in the United States very much, of course. But there were lepers, and these lepers were outcasts. They were particularly outcasts, this is interesting, with the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the Jewish tradition. They, they, were, they were people that were really outcast with them. You know, it's interesting. We have in history recorded uh, evidence that, that Pharisees would pray in a really unique way when they would wake up. I have this written down, okay? So here's a common prayer of many Pharisees. I won't say all, but many Pharisees. Many Pharisees would say, God, I give you thanks. This is how they would pray. I'm not praying this way. They would say, God, I give you thanks that I'm a man and not a woman. They begin their day that way. They would say, God, I give you thanks that I'm a Jew and not a Gentile. They would say, God, I give you thanks that I'm a free man and not a slave. A sense of pride, right? Unhealthy pride reflected in their prayers. It's also recorded that, that these people who kind of look down on others as beneath them, that, that they would literally boast of throwing rocks at people who had leprosy. That there are rocks at them. This is the kind of, of world that a leper, a man with leprosy that we're reading about here, this is the kind of culture that that person lived in. And so leprosy, as you probably know, is a dreaded condition. Um, it forced a victim to live apart from other people. Quite literally, they had to stay at least six feet apart from people in their culture. Does that sound familiar? Really? Six feet apart. If there was a wind, this is crazy, if there was wind at the back of the leper, they would have to stay 150 feet, I don't know how you measure that, 150 feet away from the nearest person. That's the world that the leper lived in. They were truly seen as disgusting people, that no one should have anything to do. They were incredibly isolated. I mean, that was extreme social distancing. Wow. Okay? And they were forced, and then they had to do this. They, had, they were forced to cry as they walked through the streets whenever they saw someone unclean, unclean. Maybe you've heard that before. That's the kind of culture that, that these lepers lived in. Now, you can jump to the end of this. In fact, you've already heard it. And, and Jesus is going to heal this leper. But there's something deeper at work here. There's not only a physical reality of what Jesus does here. There is very much a spiritual reality. And this is what I want to tune us into. You see, when the Bible is talking about leprosy, it is a metaphor. It is a way of illustrating a spiritual condition. And that spiritual condition is sin. So this is where we're going to get into the Old Testament, just for a minute. Stick with me here, okay? We're talking about the man with leprosy. This is important. So this man with leprosy, we can learn more about leprosy and where these unclean and clean kind of like labels come from in the book of Leviticus, which is in the Old Testament. Now, some of you are familiar with it because you've been reading through the Bible one day at a time during this year since the beginning of January. And what happens when you get to Leviticus, you get really bored and your whole plan crumbles and you stall out, right? You want to skim the book of Leviticus. Don't lie to me. I know you do it. I've done it myself, right? It's, it can be hard to read the book of Leviticus. We find it to be kind of boring, honestly. If we're honest with ourselves sometimes. Well, there are laws there that makes it more complicated. There are laws in the book of Leviticus that are strange to us. Laws about 
why a person is ceremonially clean or ceremonially unclean. It's really confusing. It's strange. It's weird, right? And people have questions about this. Let's look at one of these passages, particularly about leprosy. We're going to Leviticus chapter 13. Hang in there with me, okay? I just want to take a quick jog, and this will be a jog, through Leviticus 13. There are these weird laws, these strange laws, but they reflect the curse of sin in the world. Okay, what this is pointing to is a bigger issue again. It's metaphorical. It's pointing to a bigger issue, and the issue is what I'm referring to as the curse of sin. For instance, okay, disease wasn't present in in Genesis chapter 1 or 2. Disease entered the world when sin entered the world. When the curse of sin came in, there came disease. Uh, Animals didn't feed on other animals before the curse, before sin with Adam and Eve entered the world. The the existence of decay and rot didn't happen until sin entered the world, until after the curse. So things are unclean because they are not the way that God originally intended them to be. And so therefore, we have these these laws here. So we're looking at Leviticus 13, and here's what I want to see. I'm just going to show you three little verses here, okay? This is a long chapter. I encourage you to read it this week. And maybe with this lens of understanding this is metaphorical. Yes, it speaks to a physical reality that was present in those days, but it's metaphorical in terms of talking about sin. Let's look at Leviticus 13, verse 3, okay? And the first point I want you to see is this, is that sin, sin is, is, is um, deeper than the skin. Sin is deeper than the skin. So check this out. Verse 3 of, of chapter 13. The priest is to examine the sore on the skin. And if the hair in the sore has turned white and the sore appears to be more than skin deep, by the way, I'm glad that priests don't have to do this anymore. Examine your skin when you have some kind of rash. It is defiling skin disease. When the priest examines that person, he shall pronounce them ceremonially unclean. Really strange, right? This is where it's like, whoa, you lost me here. Listen, what's going on is when people would have a skin condition of some sort and they suspected it might be something bad, They were instructed to go to the priest, and the priest had to examine and see if this person had the the, um, skin disease, which they're talking about leprosy here. And leprosy is something, again, it's metaphorical. And here's what we see. Not only does that that inflamed skin point to something that's deeper than the the skin, but sin is deeper than the skin. In other words... Yeah, there, there are things we do, right? There, there are things that, that we, we omit in our life. There are ways that we live that are sinful, but it's always something that affects us inwardly. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever been in a place where you're just in a bad spot? Something has control over your life. Or there, there's, there's some kind of break in fellowship, in relationship between you and another person. Doesn't that affect you inwardly? Like, someone might even say to you when they see it, they'll say, hey, are you okay? Because you're carrying something in you that's deeper than the skin. It's bigger than the moment. And that's what we see in in sin. Not only was the leprosy deeper than the skin, affecting the inner part of the body, this is what sin does, okay? Let's continue our jog. Okay, so the first thing we see is that that sin is deeper than the skin. The second thing you're going to see is this, is that sin 
spreads. Look at this verse. This is Leviticus 13, verse 8. The priest is to examine that person. And if the rash has spread in the skin, he shall pronounce them unclean. It is defiling skin disease. It's leprosy. It's spreading. It's getting all over the body. This is what leprosy, by the way, does. I learned some things. I didn't know this off the top of my head, but I read up on leprosy this week. Let me show you the steps of leprosy's growth. Check this out. First of all, it'll start with loss of sensation in a body part, like hands or feet most prominently. So it starts with this loss of sensation, and then the nerves begin to die. And after the nerves die, well, then muscles start to waste away. And then tendons contract. And then ulcers are developed on the hands or the feet. And then there's this progressive loss of fingertips, of toes. It's awful. I mean, it's a horrific disease. And this ultimately, in the end, will result in a whole hand falling off or a whole foot falling off. I mean, just the most miserable, horrific. It's like you're dying by inch. Inch by inch, a person is dying and wasting away. Sin spreads. And sin doesn't just begin to affect you inwardly. It begins to affect your other relationships. It begins to affect your schoolwork. It begins to affect your work. It begins to affect all of your life. You know what I'm talking about? This, this is what happens when we are afflicted, and we all are afflicted by the disease of sin. It spreads. Leprosy spreads, so does sin. Let me show you one more thing here. Okay, so jog all the way down to Leviticus 13, 45. I'll read actually two verses here, okay? It says, anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. Got this label on them. They must live alone. Oh, they must live outside the camp. So listen, sin is, is deeper than the skin. Sin spreads. And here's the other thing I want you to hear is this. Sin isolates. It isolates you. Again, you know what I'm talking about? Like when you are in, living in sin, when something's broken in your life, when you're, when you're in the worst way possible, you get cut off from other people. It has this way of, of making you feel like you're removed from your family, your friendships. I mean, the folks who had leprosy in those days were cut off. You hear that? Cut off from community. Worse yet, they were cut off from God. They couldn't go worship in the tabernacle. Weren't allowed to. Sin isolates. It spreads. It's, it's deeper than the skin. And here's one more thing I'll tell you. And you see it here. Sin ultimately, and this is so hard, Sin leads to death. You've heard it said, Book of Romans, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Listen, sin leads to death. You know, these people were instructed to tear their clothes, to have their hair hanging loose, to cover up the, the bottom half of their face. Does that sound familiar? Okay, all this stuff from leprosy. They were instructed to do that. These were the same instructions that were given to mourners at a funeral. This is how a person who was mourning death would behave. And so these people, these lepers, 
were instructed to act like they were funeral mourners. You know what they're mourning? They're mourning essentially their own death. They're like living, living death. Living death is what they were going through. <laughs> I'll tell you this, these laws about what is clean and what is unclean actually, and this is, this is, this is remarkable, actually can give us hope that one who is unclean, afflicted by sin, can be made clean through an acceptable sacrifice. An acceptable sacrifice. I think you know where we're going with that. Hang on. So let's go back to this, okay? You learn a little more about leprosy now. You know what this is like. Back to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8. I'm going to read verse 2 now, the whole thing. So a man with leprosy, you know what that's all about, came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. <laughs> I love this leper. This man who ran up to Jesus because he knew, he knew that Jesus had the power to heal him. And he wasn't just tagging along. He wasn't just in the crowd standing there like a, a doofus waiting to find out what was going on. He came specifically. Jesus was his guy, and he wasn't tagging along. He violated the code. Six feet, remember? On a windy day, 150 feet. He violates the code. He comes up to Jesus, and it's evidence of his faith. He had a confidence in who Jesus is. I want to show you three things about this leper that I think we should consider as we consider the person of Jesus and our own affliction with sin. Here's the first thing I would show you. Number one, the leper worshiped Jesus. The leper worshiped Jesus. What does he do? He falls on his knees. You know, in some translations, it says he bowed with his face to the dirt. He got low and he calls him what? He calls him Lord. He honors Jesus as God. He worships Jesus. That's where it begins. Falling on his knees. Lord, my face in the dirt. I love it. He worships him. And he recognizes that Jesus is the only one who can meet his impossible need. He had a confidence that, that Jesus had power to heal him. So the first thing we see is he worships Jesus. And then secondly, and I've already alluded to this, the leper displayed humility. Once again, I, I point you to the fact that says he came and knelt before him. I don't think that's, that's not strong enough. If you look at other translations, he bowed before him low. He got on his knees. He put his face in the dirt before, before Jesus because he knew that, that he wasn't worthy. And I love that he doesn't demand. He doesn't, say, he doesn't say, heal me. He says, if you are willing, if you're willing, I know, I know that you can heal me. And he leaves the action up to Jesus. He entrusts Jesus to heal him. It's humility. And then thirdly, this, the leper communicated his desperate need. Not only does he worship Jesus, not only is he humble before him, he communicates his desperate need. Listen, the leper didn't try to cleanse himself. He knew that he was hopeless. He knew he couldn't cleanse himself. How much greater is that true with sin? He left it up to Jesus, and he came before him simply as he was just as he was. That's how we come before Jesus. What a lesson from him. He came before Jesus worshiping him. He came before him in humility. And he came before him, not beating his chest, not in his pride, but out of desperate need. And I think this is hard for us. As you think about that example of that man, 
I think it's really hard for us to simply come to Jesus, to come before him, to admit our need without pretense. I wonder, do you think that you'll be ignored by Jesus? Do you think you'll be rejected? Let me tell you, you will not be ignored when you come in humility before Jesus. You will not be rejected. In fact, we see evidence of that. This text shows us evidence of, of the fact that he does not reject us. He does not push us away. He does not ignore us. Let's go back to it. Uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 3. So the man's come before him. He asks, look, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus, in verse 3, reached out his hand. And he touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Wow, this is powerful. Now check this out. Jesus reaches out. Think about the implications of this, okay? Jesus reaches out. The leper was instructed to keep his distance. That was the regulation. Well, Jesus, he crosses that distance. He crosses the distance and he reaches out his hand and he moves toward the untouchable person. This should give you hope. Is this speaking to you? This should give you and me hope. He reaches out and he touches the untouchable person. And he could have healed him with a word. He could have said, you stay there, be healed. But no, no, Jesus reaches out, touches him. How powerful. That's the kind of savior we have. You know, um, the human touch is so powerful. A couple of weeks ago, um, I had said something in my sermon about uh, my cousin passed away, 48 years old. It was awful. It is awful. We're still praying for his wife and his kids and all of his family and loved ones. And, and one of the people in the church, actually a couple pulled up, picked up on this, Scott and Julia, friends of mine. And they came over and they just acknowledged their condolences to me. And, and then they did something that was almost unusual, right? In the middle of Minton Commons, they grabbed me and they like both like did this huge bear hug on me. Like, they just, they just grabbed me and wrapped me up and hugged me. And they were, like, weeping because they, they were feeling the burden. I really appreciated that. And, and you know what? It communicated something to me. Their, their embrace, that touch, was healing for me in that moment. How much more so? The touch of Jesus. The touch. And he reaches out and he touches. And when he touched him, did Jesus contract leprosy? Did he become unclean? There's no evidence of that. But here's what we do have evidence of. Jesus cleansed. He cleaned the leper. He healed him. The man becomes clean. And I want to show you this picture. When Jesus reaches out and he touches the untouchable, when he acts and he moves in that direction, it points us to the cross. This is a great picture. It's a wink to what Jesus is going to accomplish on the cross. It is what Jesus did for us. And this is where I'll point you to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Listen to this, okay? There's this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It's the last verse of the chapter, and it says this. It's on the screens. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see the picture? Jesus reaching out. He who had no sin reaches out, and he takes on the sin the, 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 the humanity, the brokenness of the world, he takes it on himself. It's a picture right here in this little story about a physical healing that points to a spiritual healing. Jesus 
was made sin for us. He did contract our sin on the cross. He became sin. So that we who are sinful could be reconnected to the Father. We see it right here. You know, we um, say at Christ Church that we worship in the Anglican tradition. Maybe you wonder what that means. Um, It it shows up in the, the creedal part of our worship. It shows up in baptism and in communion, some of the liturgy we use. We have on our website something called the 39 Articles. It's a document that that makes theological statements about what we believe. And I want to point you to Article 31 as we consider this picture of Jesus reaching out, touching the untouchable, touching the leper, touching sin, taking on sin, becoming sin. Consider this little statement. It's wordy, but it's powerful. You might jot it down. You might take a picture of this. Check it out, okay? It says this. The offering of Christ on the screens. The offering of Christ once made is that perfect redemption, propitiation, and satisfaction for all the sins of the whole world, both original and actual. And there is none other satisfaction for sin but that alone. There's no answer other than Jesus. There's no other answer than him reaching out and becoming sin, though he knew no sin. It's so powerful. Let me go to verse 4 and wrap up this gospel story for us, this gospel narrative. Matthew 8, chapter 4. Jesus, then after healing the leper, turns to him and said, see that you don't tell anyone. So interesting. But go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So Jesus sends this guy to the priest. And you know why he sent him to the priest? So that he could be restored to society. Go back to Leviticus 13. Now that he's clean, now that he doesn't have leprosy anymore, Jesus didn't just want to heal him physically, he wanted to restore him completely. He wanted him to be a part of the greater society, to have friendships. He wanted him to be able to go to the tabernacle and worship God. He was no longer a guy carrying around this label that was unclean or leper. He was made new. And let me tell you, don't miss this lesson. This is too important. So it is with us. You know, there are so many in this room who are carrying around a sign on your neck about the things in your past. You're broke. Don't miss this. Your brokenness. Your sin, the things you've suffered through in your life, and you carry them like you're a leper. Listen, there's a truth here for us, and that's this, that Jesus not only wants to heal you and forgive you of your sin, he wants to give you a new identity, a new label. I'll point you again to 2 Corinthians 5. We're back there again. Listen to this. This is a, this is a verse that some of you will know. You should commit it to memory, because it's that powerful and it's that important. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, and the new is here. No longer a leper, now made clean. Do you see it? No longer a sinner, no longer an adulterer, no no longer a person who used to do drugs, no longer a person who cheated, no longer a person who quit, no longer a person who, who has a bad temper. Now you are seen in a new light, and that new light is through Jesus Christ. You are a new creation. It's good news for you. And this, we see that with this leper. Jesus not only forgave him, healed him of his condition, 
He also said, listen, now you are no longer that leper. Go to the priest. And they're going to restore you to the community. Man, that is good news. We need that. You don't need to carry around that old label. In Christ, you're made new. And we believe in Jesus. His perfection counts for our perfection. Wow, what a, what a truth. <laughs> and I love this. It makes me chuckle. G- Jesus told him, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. And he went and he told everyone. <laughs> Isn't it great? He went and he told everyone. And you might wonder, why does Jesus tell these people to keep it quiet? Why does he say don't tell anyone? Well, it was to keep down the excitement of the crowds until the proper time. Now, Jesus had the end in mind. It wasn't accidental. He wasn't roaming through life. He knew where he was headed. And he wanted to keep the proper timing in mind. And his miracles were not intended to make him a celebrity. That was not his point. No, the miracles were intended to demonstrate the power of his love and care for for people who would come before him with personal needs and humility. And so Jesus wasn't into telling people and becoming a celebrity. And so Jesus tells this man not to tell anyone. He tells everyone. But I think it's so interesting. Jesus tells us to tell everybody and we stay silent. And we stay quiet. And we don't tell people. Listen, that's got to change. God so loved the world. He sent his only son. There's this hope of healing. There's this hope of being a new creation. That's got to change. Let me tell you what what we're up to here at Christ Church. And hopefully this will get you excited. You know, this past week, we spent two days in strategic planning. We had lay leaders there. We had staff leadership present. and, And we prayed and we just dreamed and thought about the church and where we've been and where we're going. It was really exciting. And as we consider the life of Christ, the way, and where we're headed as a church, let me tell you two things we're going to be focusing on during the next year. We're going to be working on this. The first is developing a plan, a pathway for discipleship, where we can build people up in Christ by the grace of God and equip them and send them out. That's you. We're going to build a discipleship pathway during this next year, and we want you to be excited about it. We want you to be a part of it. And you can hold us accountable that during the next year, you better believe it, we're going to be working on that and developing that. It's really, really exciting. Not only that, we also have a goal to make a plan of evangelism, to share Jesus in word, to tell people about Jesus and deed, both together, simultaneously. We're going to develop a plan of evangelism because we have to tell people about Jesus. We don't want to be the people who are told to go share Jesus with everyone and stay silent. So be excited about that. That's how we're going to address this. We're going to do something about it and be people who tell about Jesus. All right. So there's a big takeaway here. It's a big takeaway, and that's this. And I want you to hear this from the heart of God. The big takeaway is this. Jesus wants to heal you. He healed the leper. He forgives sins as we read through the Gospels. Listen, Jesus wants to heal you. Today. Now. He wants to give you a new life. You know, are you one of those people who are just tagging along? Do you feel that? Do you feel like you've been tagging along for a long time? Do you feel unlovable? Do, do you feel beyond repair? Do you feel cast out, isolated? Well, hear this. Jesus Christ 
welcomes you. He welcomes you. And He will cleanse you. And He will heal you. And He will not leave you the same. He will change you. You might say, well, sign me up. How? How will that happen? Well, I think we've got a great example from our friend, the man with leprosy. We've got a great example in him. And here's what the man with leprosy shows us. He shows us that how do you receive this new life? How do you receive the healing, the forgiveness of Jesus? And Jesus wants to heal you in, in the most profound way. He wants to heal you of sin. How do we do that? we got the example right here. First, it begins with worshiping Jesus. But simply, I say simply, it's profound. Acknowledging, calling him Lord, recognizing that he deserves honor as God. It begins right there. That's what the leper did, and that's what we're called to do, to believe in the power of Jesus because he is God. And to have this confidence begins with worshiping him. And not just by singing a song, but in our hearts, calling him Lord. Calling him king. Making him the boss, the leader of our lives. It begins with worshiping Jesus. And then, just like the leper, coming in humility. With our faces bowed low, so to speak. Not demanding. Not demanding, but, but leaving it up to Jesus. Knowing that he has the power. And waiting for him to act in our lives. And, and leaving the request up to him. We come in humility. And finally, we do this. We communicate our desperate need, just like the leper. We come before Jesus, and we don't try to cleanse ourselves. Look, you've probably tried that. It doesn't work. We don't try to cleanse ourselves, no. We come before Jesus just as we are. We come as we are before him. We come worshiping him. We come in humility, and we come expressing our desperate need. I'll tell you this. As this happens, we have a ministry that, that Jesus has given to us. It's a ministry of reconciliation. Has your life been changed? Are you a new creation? Are you taking off the old label and putting on the new? Someone who is in Jesus, a son, a daughter, someone who is loved by God? Are you putting on that label? Listen, you have been called to share that good news with the world. I'll take you back one last time to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 18, 19, and 20. All this is from God. This love, this, this hope we have is from God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. He's reaching out to the world, saying, be healed. Be cleansed. And he has committed to us this message, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Those of us who have been cleansed by Jesus, who have the hope of Jesus, who come before him are healed by Jesus, we are called to go now and share that good news. And tell people all over the world, starting in our own homes, and our own communities, that Jesus is Lord and there's good news that God wants to reach out through Jesus Christ and heal and restore and make new because he is full of love. Listen, 
Go. If you will, you will confess, God will forgive. God will forgive you as you confess. He wants to forgive you. It's not like he does it begrudgingly. Jesus wants to forgive you. Your past sins, your present sins, all of it. And he will reach out and touch you and give you a new label, a new identity, a new name and call you into this ministry of reconciliation. Let's pray. I want to give you some space to talk to God. God, thank you for this incredible four verses where we see this powerful ministry of Jesus who touched the untouchable, who had compassion for the sinful and the broken. Oh God, we worship Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for his abundant love for us. Oh Lord, as we consider all these things, in our hearts we want to respond to you. And so Lord, we follow the example of our friend, the man who was, who was formerly a leper. And we say, Oh, Jesus, you are Lord. We worship you. You are God of very God. And we are confident, Lord, you have all the power. And so, God, like the leper, we come in humility with, in a sense, our, our heads bowed low. And we say, God, have mercy on us. If you will, if you're willing, we know you can heal us. We know you can forgive us. And God, we also say to you, we have desperate need, just like the leper. God, help us. We need healing. We are broken. We need restoration. Oh God, would you forgive us of our sins? I pray, Lord, that we would walk in the confidence if we have confessed our sin to you, that we, like the leper, can be restored fully with a new name, as a new creation, and that we can even be a part of sharing this great news, the hope of Jesus, with everyone we meet. Help us to do that, Lord, as a people. Thank you, God, for this great truth. We pray all this in Jesus' powerful name.